How's it going everybody? Taylor here from the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I would like to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us for this week's episode on the top five Senators teams of all time. We here at the Third Line Plug Sensecast would like to dedicate this episode to the life and memory of former Ottawa Senators general manager and head coach Brian Murray. Brian lost his battle with colon cancer on August 12, 2017. Brian served as the head coach of the Ottawa Senators from 2004 until 2008, as well as serving as general manager from June 2007 until he stepped down in 2016. He also held the title of senior advisor up until his death. His contributions to the Ottawa Senators cannot be understated, as Brian made several deals and drafting decisions over the years which has brought the Senators several quality players, such as Craig Anderson, Mike Hoffman, Mark Stone, and current Senators captain, Eric Carlson. On behalf of Tim Jensey, myself, Taylor Gibson, as well as Sens fans from coast to coast and around the world, we would like to give our condolences and thanks to Brian and his family. Brian was survived by his wife and two children, as well as his brother, Terry Murray, who served as an angel head coach. In closing, I would just like to say... Brian, thank you so much for all, all the hard work, ever, all the years you've given to this organization. Your contributions will not be forgotten. Rest in peace. All right, good to go. Sensecast. I am your host, Terry Gibson. Joining me as always is the man of the hour who's too sweet to be sour, my co-host, Tim Jensey. Tim, you might have noticed off the top that I didn't say joining me as always from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta. Do you mm. care to share with the audience why? Well, for the first time in about a couple of years, I'm in Duncan, British Columbia on Vancouver Island. Yes, you are, man. And it's so great to know that you and I can get together and we can record a third line plug sense cast. Yeah, and you can buy me one of those terrible moose heads after we're done. Anyway, <laughs> Tim, this is a very special episode because not only is this the very first third line plug sense cast episode to be recorded live in the same room, this is the first time in six years you and I have been in the same room together. Mm-hmm. It's honestly insane to think of that's been so long, but time waits for no man. It has, and the fact that I drove by our old school where it all started a decade ago, or a little over a decade ago, is just really the journey on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of the old stuff we uh, broke, lost, buried is still around. That's a good question. I had been thinking about that on the way here, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that we broke, lost, like Jesus on the cross. Hey, he's taped and well, thank you. Did Mr. Remember find that out? Find that out? Uh, I think it was pretty obvious why there was a Jesus scotch taped to a cross. Well, that's true. I mean, it doesn't say it in the Bible at all. No? <laughs> now, sticking with being a special episode, Tim, this episode is going to be the top five Senators teams of all time. A, a subject which I've wanted to talk, talk with you about for a long time. And it's very fitting because today is August 11th, 2017. Now, in numbers, 
August 11th is what, Tim? It's 8 and 11, the two numbers that have been retired by the Senators. That's right. Now, can you name those two players? Danny Alfredson and Frank Finnegan. Oh. You're right, Frank Finnegan. Excellent. So, Tim, now that I have you here, and we are going to record a bunch of episodes today, which we will spread out over the next couple of weeks because there's a pretty good chance you and I won't talk until the preseason. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter that nothing happens at this point in the offseason. Well, <laughs> that leads us into our first topic, Tim. A little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So, I got to start right off the top. The Dallas Stars announced that they will be hosting the 2018 Entry Draft. This is the first NHL event they have hosted since the 2007 All-Star Game. Huh. I guess I might watch it. Ever since uh, Tim Murray stopped being Buffalo GM, I can't deal with GMs giving long-winded speeches without a GM who will just say, Buffalo drafts John, uh, Jim, Jack Eichel. Hey, they're lucky they got Eichel at all. <laughs> I know they would have got, rather had McDavid, but, you know, mm -hmm. you gotta take with what you get sometimes. Oh, for sure. Now, this is really sad because this is a player who... You and I have enjoyed for a long time as a member of the Ottawa Senators, and we were upset when he got traded to the Nashville Predators. Well, it was released that Mike Fisher has officially retired. Yeah, it's uh, another one of those players that spent an awful time wa watching growing up, and uh, I even tried to catch as many Nashville games as I could uh, once he got traded. Uh, I'm super happy that uh, he ha he's had the career he's had. He had another chance at the Stanley Cup, which was phenomenal. And uh, I wish him and Carrie Underwood the best. Absolutely. I know when Carrie Underwood was here a couple of years ago for Sunfest, I considered going just to meet Mike Fisher. Oh, he was there? I really hope he was. Oh, that would have been cool. Because I, I think I would have been the only person in a Fisher Sens jersey. You should have had a have Fisher one. sign. <laughs> it's like, we want Fisher. We want Fish. You know, that guy. Yeah, it would probably be the first time that it's been, hey, Carrie, show us Mike instead of, hey, Mike, where's Carrie? That's true, bud. Uh, Mike Fisher, he's a class act. Absolutely love the guy. And uh, it's a shame the Hall of Fame is so restrictive because he's just one of those other guys who he's just not quite, he just wasn't quite skilled enough on the ice to get there, but definitely a class act. Yeah, and he was a fan favorite wherever he played too. Mm -hmm. Now, with that being said, I don't see Ottawa retiring his number 12, but if they ever do a ring of honor, I do see him being inducted. Oh, for sure. Now, we're going to turn our attention to the Columbus Blue Jackets because they signed their head coach, John Tortorella, to a one-year extension. Now, generally head coaches, after having a great season, don't get a one-year extension. They get a three, maybe four-year. Does this maybe, does Columbus, I don't know, like, does this show John Tortorella that maybe Columbus doesn't have enough faith in him to give him a three-year deal? The hard thing about John Tortorella is that he's a very, he has a very specific way of coaching. It's not particularly upbeat, and the Columbus Blue Jackets are a very fast team. Like, they're hard-checking, but they're fast. So it might not be a type of coaching that they think will be effective in the long term, especially as both Columbus's prospect pool, star pool, moves towards being more skilled, and that the NHL in general moves to a faster-moving game. Couldn't say it any better, bud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Tortorella's media. I love Tortorella media. It's always hilarious. Yeah, because who was the guy in New York, the reporter that he used to fight with? Oh, oh shit, I can't even Was it Brooksy? It might have been Brooksy. Yeah, because I remember, uh, was it, I think it was Dan Boyle. 
Dan Boyle told him to get the fuck out one time in, uh, in a press conference. Yeah, and didn't Tortorella... Was it Tortorella or Avery that flipped the guy off? That was Avery. Yeah, that was, that was Avery. Avery. I think he... Was he with the Rangers? or He might have been with the Rangers at that point. Okay. Fucking magic. Tim, on the last episode, we were talking about Andre Markov. He's trash. He's trash. I know you have made your opinion <laughs> very noted. In, in the last episode, we talked about him being the top guy in the free agency. Well, he got a contract. Yeah, in Russia. With the KHL's Akbars. That sounds like a Star Wars character. It does. But where have I heard that from? Hmm. Really activates the old almonds, doesn't it? Does. It does. Anyways. For a 39-year-old, that's okay. He's Russian. He's heading back. And does this? I think this makes it eligible for the Olympics, too, doesn't it? It does. Which, he, if NHL players don't end up making it, he might be one of the best players on the ice. Yeah. By the way, i got to ask you, did you, like, did you see the Brian McGratton video of him scrapping in a... In one of the pre, not a pre, yeah, it was like a video I saw on like Bar Down or one of these websites, where he got into a scrap and like the whole team got involved. Weird, yeah. I don't know. I don't really care for either play. Like Andre Markov's a class act, and uh, definitely wish him the best. But he wasn't an NHL caliber player anymore. Well, maybe he was like a five, six, seven type of guy. Right. Age caught up to him, and he wasn't doing anyone any favors. Right. And I know Montreal feels the same way because they went out and signed Mark Strait to a one-year, $700,000 deal. Mm-hmm. Which is honestly quite a, nice si- quite a nice signing for a depth veteran. It is. Although I'm not sure depth veterans are all that Montreal need to go for this season, given how weak their defense was. Yeah, that's... I don't know, man. Montreal's going to have a tough season ahead of them. Because yeah. all they've got is carry. And... The few talented players they have there, I don't think it's enough to maybe mm-hmm. push them into the playoffs. I guess what they're hoping on is that Druin wasn't being carried by the very strong defense and center core that Tampa Bay has amassed. Yeah, and he did that without Stamkos, too, because yeah. he was injured most of last season. However, he's still playing with like Anton Strawman and Victor Hedman and Tyler Johnson. So he's he's still playing with very skilled players. Absolutely, and now he's going to Montreal, where he is now the guy. Yeah, he's the guy who is French in the biggest pressure cooker in the country. Yeah, I honestly feel bad for the guy. Yeah, but you know what? So many players who are French have gone to Montreal, and one of two things has happened. They've succeeded, or they've flamed out completely. Mm-hmm. Mike Ribeiro, you could have done. Theodore had a couple of decent to really good seasons in Montreal. The Patrick Waugh incident. Yeah, but that's different. Patrick Wall won two Stanley Cups in Montreal. Mm-hmm. But then the five-goal game happened, and it was his last game in Montreal. Yeah, in Colorado. They repped the rewards, buddy. Yeah. Speaking of goalies, our good buddy Robin Leonard's back in the news. Oh, and for good reason, too. One year, four million. I've said here on the show, I have a buddy of mine who's a Sabres fan. I told him this is a bridge deal. I think they're going to give him a four five year extension in the in the coming season and given that he played on a so so buffalo team he actually put up pretty decent numbers last season mm-hmm. yeah like it was solid very average numbers on a team with weak defense uh, i think lanners earned this contract and it's a shame that he was the odd man out but it did allow us to get out of that david Legwan contract 
and get a first-round draft pick. It's a shame that Hamburglar just... Well, we should have seen it coming, honestly. But, yeah. But given that Andrew Hammond played so well in that season, it was really... I don't want to say it was a pipe dream or it was... But it really got the fans' hopes that, well, oh, okay, sure. we've got a guy who can... Excuse me, can succeed yeah. Craig Anderson. I guess the worst part of it is when they signed... They thought there was a goalie logjam when they signed Matt O'Connor, and then all of a sudden Matt O'Connor didn't even get qualified. I feel like that's the most egregious part of this whole situation. Yeah, but Mike Condon played so great yeah. in Ottawa that mm-hmm. really Hammond was the third man yeah. out at that point. And I'm glad they kept Condon, actually. Me too. I think he was probably, or, I mean, it's arguably the best pickup of last season. Oh, for sure. Now, I know guys like TSN Sportsnet might say that Radulov from Montreal, but let's be honest. Ottawa kept Condon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's pretty much all we can really say about that. Pretty much, man. Mm-hmm. Now, I know earlier we were talking about Mike Fisher and the Nashville Predators. Well, the Predators made two big signings here, bud. And we're going to start with the first one here, Victor Arvidsson, who, by the way, I looked it up, no relation to former Senator Magnus Arvidsson. Hmm. Disappointing, I know, but, you know, that's it is what it is. He re-signed with the National Predators, seven years, $29.75 million, with an AAV, 4.25. I cannot believe they got him for this. Yeah, I know. It's... That is so cheap. Seven years, $29.75 million, with an AAV, 4.25. The Nashville Predators, I cannot believe that they got this guy for that price. Yeah, he's a phenomenal player. Drives play quite well. And they locked him up long-term and cheap. Like, I can understand uh, maybe knocking off him taking a bit less money for longer term. But, yeah, this is nuts. Free market probably would have paid him 5 or 5 five five. Yeah, but the same can't be said for the next guy, Ryan Johansson. He re-signed eight years, sixty-four million AAV, eight million. Actually, even eight for Ryan Johansson's still decent. Like, given that he is a bona fide number one center, eight million is pretty good considering we've got Bobby Ryan for seven. Yeah, and obviously he's um, you know we only got half the production out of him that Ryan Johansson is given in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Like Ryan Johansson, it's. One of those weird times where I know both teams got their itches scratched in that trade. Uh, Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. Yeah, and he's fitting great in Columbus right now. I want to say Nashville just won the trade just because how great of a center center Ryan Johansson truly is. If he wasn't in an era with like Sidney Crosby and uh, Steve Stamkos, we'd be talking a lot more about um, Johansson. Do you think maybe playing in the West Coast has... um really affected his the perception of ryan johansson uh or maybe because people don't maybe watch him since he's on the west coast well nashville isn't exactly west coast but like yeah nashville is not a it's not a conventional hockey market so the hockey writers don't notice him as much and same could be said when he was still putting up very good map numbers in columbus now the next player we're going to talk about nino niederreier a player who the new york islanders almost ruined he re-signed with the Minnesota Wild, five years, $26.25 million, with an AAV 5.25. Nino is a funny player because he is honestly a he is a, he is currently an excellent player. Like he drives play very well. He's a lot of Minnesota fans don't think that he's given adequate ice time to really see his true potential, especially given his underlying numbers. So you'll actually see free Nino as a hashtag in Minnesota. I will have to check into that for next season. Hmm. Yeah, he's a beauty player, and I think. 5.25 AAV is just right. 
Absolutely, I totally agree. Now, we have another Minnesota Wild signing here. Miguel Granlund re-signed to the Wild, three years, $17.25 billion, AAE, AAV 5.75. Now, do you feel that because of Michael Granlund being there, that's why Niederreier may, may not get top six minutes in Minnesota? Perhaps. Um, but it's hard because they're both very good in their position. I think that's actually a good that's a good problem for Minnesota to have. There's not much we can really say on no, this. No, it's a good signing. Absolutely. Now we're going to switch gears to the East Coast, and we're going to go with Connor Sheary, re-signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins, three years, nine million, AAV three. Decent signing for Pittsburgh. I'll give him yeah. that. Well, the thing is, it's a lot of people were worried that Connor Sheary was going to get like five million because he had Crosby inflated numbers. Yeah, which is what Nick Benino got. Yeah. Nick Benino, and you can correct me on this, I think he got $5 million on Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, they did a very good job of keeping Sheer. Is Sheary RF? Is he RFA? I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Because if he is RFA, then that would that would remove some of his leverage. Mm-hmm. Now, this signing from the Carolina Hurricanes actually took me by surprise. Brent Pesci... Resize six years, twenty four point fifteen million AAV four point zero two five. Now I'm not going to lie to you, Tim. I have never heard of this player, and even though he plays in the Eastern Conference, I've never heard. Of him. But the reason why I'm putting this on here, Carolina had a terrible season, and he was a plus twenty three on that team last year. The insane thing about Carolina is that Carolina was really let down by their depth. They had very good defensemen, a pretty serviceable top line, and then everything else up that is garbage and. Uh, Toronto, you better watch out with that Ron Hainsey fellow. They have a very good defense core coming up with Noah Han Finn at the lead. Um, and uh, Brett Pesky has pretty good possession stats, and he's good smooth skater. So I, I think this one, I don't know enough about the Hurricanes organization and his full play to really comment on the salary level. But Same. I think like I know Carolina in a few years is going to have one of the most deadly decors in the eastern conference mm-hmm. but at this moment they're young inexperienced but they're going to be good in a couple years mm-hmm. now let's get to the ottawa connections yes now former senator mika zibanejad resigned the new york rangers five year 26.75 million with an aav 5.35 now mika zibanejad is now going to be the number one senator in new york and now this is what the ottawa senators hoped that he was going to be now unfortunately that didn't happen Made the trade last offseason, got Derek Broussard, who had a not a great season in Ottawa. And I don't think the, and the fans didn't really get on him about it. But I have to say, like, he really impressed me in the playoffs last year when we played him. Mm-hmm. And I think New York is making a great pick here, resigning him. Yeah, well, Mika Zibanejad is just, he's responded very well to Alain Vigneault and his teams. So uh, I'm very happy that Zibanejad has been given the opportunity to just step it up. But at, at 5.35, if he doesn't work out as a number one center, that's still a pretty good solid contract for a bona fide number two with shinings of a number one. Yeah, well, but, I know that's what Derek Broussard is getting paid right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, I think Mika Zibanejad, though, he, has, he definitely has it in him. We just have to see if he steps up. Absolutely. Now, we're going to talk about some Ottawa news. Now... Ooh. I was woken by a text from my cousin who sent me a text saying about the Johnny Oduya signing in Ottawa. One year, a million dollars. I like the signing. I'm not going to lie. He fits in a veteran role that 
Mark Mathot has now left. The only thing I have with this is is not so much Johnny Oduya, it's Mark Bovrieski. Now, what's going to happen with him? Is he going to get moved, sent down to Belleville, or is the Sens going to do what Sens Twitter hates and put him on the bottom six? Hmm. Well, I guess the, the thing about Oduya is he's definitely a number seven. I don't think he has 82 games in him, but I think if he plays a solid 40 games, he's going to be able to restrict the amount of goals that go on the ice. He's not... He's going to get probably hemmed in if he's gassed. He's not the best at gaining shots, but the puck's not going to get in your end when Johnny O'Dea is on the ice. Yeah, I think they're really just bringing him in to be for a leadership role because mm-hmm. you've got, you know, you guys got Freddie Clayson on, on the defense, you got Thomas Shabbat coming up, which I've made my thoughts clear. I don't think that's the right move, bringing him up now. I think mm-hmm. by the trade deadline, you could bring him up and get rid of O'Dea if that's the case. Now, I'm not the GM, obviously. I don't have the power to do mm-hmm. that. Now, I guess for your comment about Borvietsky... Because he's, he, he's a perfect shot blocker. Yeah, he, he is. He led the sends and hits last season. Um, Although it's interesting that down the stretch, he was shut down. Like, part of it was injury, but even when he was back and pretty ready, he didn't slot back in because I think he got hopped by Ben Harper and Freddie Clayson on the depth chart. Yeah. Like, I think Freddie Clayson hopped into Mark Mathot's spot. He did, and, and absolutely, and you and I both said that we both like the fact Freddie Clayson's going to be with Carlson at the mm-hmm. end of the season. Because, like, even Car- like their numbers together are phenomenal. Like, that could be a pairing that gets about 55, 57, 60% of shots, and that's dangerous if you've got a pairing that could play half the game and you're getting the majority of the shots. That's going to be dangerous to play against. And as a second pairing... Uh, Phaneuf Harper or Harper CC actually seems pretty solid. It does. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Harper's a right-handed shot, correct? Yes. Okay, so they would have to, if you want to bring him up, who would you have to move? You'd have to move either CC or Chris Weidman. Now, I know the fans would say CC, and look, after watching him last season, I mean, if he has another bad season, I don't see him lasting an awful no. much longer. And he would be on another. He would be on a list of failed defense players that Ottawa's brought up. You know, Brian Lee comes to mind. Jared Cowan has come to mind. I, w- I mean, I wouldn't say Andre Mazaros. Well, Ma- they moved on Mez pretty quick. They did. Um, and his career never really took off after that. No. Uh, yeah, I think the hard thing with CC is, I think he needs to. He needs some work one on one with a defensive coach. Because, like, his skating actually isn't too bad. Like, he can get a decent speed going. But he, like, he, he looks puck. nervous out there. Yeah. He looks like he has no confidence with the puck. And, like, every time in the playoffs he got the puck, boop, gone. He yeah. bar- there, however, I remember in the Pittsburgh series, he finally started to skate with the puck. Mm-hmm. And you, you could kind of start to see why Ottawa thought he could be a, a second-line guy. Yeah, well, I remember I mentioned to you that the scouts, when they first scouted CC, said he had a Drew Doughty like play now obviously we haven't seen that in ottawa yet mm-hmm. uh hopefully cody cc i hope he i hope he actually finally breaks out because he has had a decent season he had one year we had 10 goals if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. now we're gonna now we're gonna turn over to the forwards ryan dezingle now this was a player who went to arbitration with the sens avoided now, it he narrowly did. yeah the sens wanted to give him 1.2 
he wanted 1.8, and I said on Twitter, why don't they just settle at 1.5 and throw in a gift card to Big Rig Brewery? And that's when you were just like, no, it's a pain in the ass to get there. Why would they want to do that? Like, holy shit, I tried. I literally tried. We went to a golf course in Old Orleans, and it was still a pain in the ass to get to. But that's, is that, that's in... Uh, that's West Ottawa. Sorry, West East Ottawa. Ottawa. Okay, East I thought Ottawa. it was in East Ottawa. Okay. Yeah, so there's the location of Gloucester, but it's just a pain. Right. Okay, now, with Ryan Dezingle, now this signing actually, it didn't confuse me, but it kind of makes me worrisome because with the signing of... Nate Thompson, do you think maybe Ryan Dezingle gets lost a bit in the shuffle in the bottom six? Well, Ryan Dezingle probably stays on the wing. Does he? Okay. Uh, yeah, because the only thing I can think of, like, I mean, how many centers do we have playing? We have <laughs> Turris, Brazard, JGP, Zach Smith, Nate Thompson's a centerman. Yep. Dezingle's Zingle. a centerman. And Colin White. And Colin White. And Nick well, Nick Paul mostly plays wing, but he, does. he can play I don't, center. Yeah, but I don't see him making the big club next no. season. Although uh, Pierre Dorian and uh, Guy Boucher did seem very high on him coming out of development cap this year, which is the, a complete 180 from last year. Mm-hmm. Well, the same with Shabbat last year, mm-hmm. too, if you recall, that the team absolutely just ripped him apart in training camp. Yeah. You know what I just mentioned? Or not mentioned. You know what I just forgot? Was the actual contract? It was yeah. two years, three point six million with an AAV one point eight, which means they didn't get the gift card. Yeah, apparently he got three hundred thousand dollars more in contracts and no gift card. No gift card. But honestly, as far as contracts go, this is phenomenal. Like he's a solid. He can go up to number two if they need him. He can play checking. He can play offense. Absolutely. He, any other the team, only thing he, he needs to know is he needs to learn how to score. And you and I mentioned last season when we were watching him, like, this is a guy he has, he could get 20, 25 goals if he wasn't hitting the post or missing those opportunities. You mean the Ottawa, the Ottawa bottom six curse? Yes. Thanks. He learned too much from Condra. He did. Thanks <laughs> a lot, Eric. You blew it. All right. All right, now. Jean-Gabriel Pajot re-signed three years, $9.3 million with an AAV, 3.1. After his play in the playoffs last season, absolutely worth it. However, as you recall, Colin Greening also had that one great game in the playoffs and got $4 million. Mm-hmm. However, JGP has had two great games in the playoffs. Yes, he has. And he's the, and he's the only player who plays on an Ontario team who scored four goals in a meaningful game. Oh. oh, that's right. Take that, Toronto. What now? That reminds, it. that reminds me of my favorite headline. Austin Matthews scores four, loses to Senators. Yep. Oh, my God. Oh, but that was so good. Such a good contract. Absolutely. And JGP, I mean, he's such a fan favorite. And even those photos I saw where, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Ottawa Senators, they have a, a little development camp for kids. Yep. And JGP showed up. And it's funny, when Ottawa tweeted that out, I immediately looked and went, you son of a bitch, Beaver. If you're going to be there to screw my team over, I swear to God. <laughs> it was JGP. Oh, nice. Very much on the side. If you ever look at Beaver and JGP, they very much look alike. Huh, I'll have to give it a look. Now, actually, I remember I was, I think it was on Reddit, going back to like the Ottawa Senators' mini development. Like the, What the coaches will do is they'll put their, uh, their teams into a hat. Ottawa draws a few. And the kids get to go, and they run a practice. Mike Fisher used to do those all the time. 
and some guy was talking about how he got to practice at like eight years old with Mike Fisher. I still want to practice with Mike Fisher. He doesn't even play for the Sens anymore. No, like uh, the kids absolutely love all that community involvement stuff. And it's awesome that the Ottawa players have, like the Ottawa Senders have a very strong culture of get involved with the community. That's amazing. Yeah, I absolutely totally agree. And I love the fact that they get involved in the community and with the kids. And it's just awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to mention, Tim, that I did write this top of the hour up a couple of days ago. So this, we have one piece of news that I just added in here today because I read it this morning on the Silver Sands. And it's uh, Chris Neal was named Chief Financial Officer of the Ottawa Senators. Now, I believe that you went to university to discover to study economics. Yeah. Do you mind mentioning to the audience what a chief financial officer is? Well, generally, the chief financial officer is in charge of the accounting and uh, financial decisions within org- an organization. Um, specifically, they're usually the guys who like sign off on the accounting before it goes to, to an external audit. Uh, they'll make some managerial accounting decisions, that sort of stuff, and report to the president of the company. Um, yeah, I didn't know that Chris Neal had any finance background. So. Yeah, neither did I. And I looked on Google, I looked on Wikipedia, I found nothing about him going to school for this. It's probably which, just a nice signing. Which begs the question, are we the only team that would hire former players to do a job like this? I'm going to go out and say yes. What's probably happening is uh, they want to keep Chris Neal in the community. And this, is, this can be a high-profile position. His deputy is probably doing the real work. Because mm-hmm. I know I read this morning as well that this is the third chief financial officer the Sens have had in four years, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. Which begs the question, did you get a call from the Sens regarding this position at all, Tim? They only had black coffee in the office, so I had to turn them down. Why didn't you just bring you know, your own creamers and stuff, man? That's not the point. Really? You, you turned down that opportunity for that? Yeah. My coffee, my company has Keurig cups. Why don't you just buy one of those machines that do the little pods? Okay. You want me to go work for them and bring my own coffee maker? You're asking too much. <laughs> okay, well that's the end of the top of the hour. Now we are going to go into talking about our top five center teams of all time. Now, funnily enough, we're we're each going to bring in our own lists, but yes, yes, we are. It turned out that our lists were the same. Yeah, uh, we had I had a look at yours, and there was probably one in there that I just looked at you like, really. But you're you're sticking with your guns in this. Yeah, unlike the whole thing with the coffee. <laughs> and I'm going to go with my top five, and then my co-host Tim Jesse will do his top five. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready, Tim? Yeah, let's do this. All right, so at number five. Now, I feel this team has been, is kind of underrated if you look at the Senators as a whole. The 2004 Senators, now this team finished 43-29-10. Obviously, this is coming off the year previous where we came with the best record in the NHL. We won our division and came within one game of winning the conference. This is not why I'm adding this team on here. I'm adding it because this is really the last year of the old guard in Ottawa. And by old guard, I mean the Jacques Martin era. Because after that season, I'm going to go through a list of people and players who left the team afterwards. Patrick Willeem, mm-hmm. 
Radic Bonk, mm-hmm. Marion Hosa, and Jacques, and Jacques Martin. I mean, those are some big names. Now, Patrick Liam, of course, he got traded to St. Louis. Radic Bonk got traded to Los Angeles for a fourth-round pick, if you can believe it. Uh, looking at his Twitter, I believe it. That's the wrong Bonk, Tim. <laughs> wrong Bonk, buddy. But the one that really surprised me, and I've made no bones that Marion Hosa is my all-time favorite senator, and, of course, you know, he didn't get traded in 2004. He got traded in 05 for Danny Heatley, which was a great deal until, but you know, what happened. this is probably the least classy move the organization's ever done. Like, sign, sign, then trade without consultation is, it always looks a little bad. It does, but, I mean, I can't think of any signing and sign and trade off the top of my head that actually happened. Can you think of any? I can't think of any off the top of my head. Very few. Yeah. Unless it was pre-negotiated. Yeah, maybe. I think maybe that's was. Because I know... And what really sickened me, I think it was John Muckler, he said that Marion Hosa signed that deal and he didn't feel he was worth that contract. Weird. Yeah, so that's why they made the trade. Now, obviously, Ottawa won that day, that deal. Mm-hmm. With Danny Heatley. He came out and he had 250 goal seasons with yeah. the Sens before... Well, well, you know. The long saga of Danny Heatley. Yeah. And I, I do have to mention for this team, as of 2017, that this was the last Battle of Ontario playoff series. Mm-hmm. Can, can you believe that 13 years has been since the last time that we've had a Battle of Ontario playoff series? You mean 13 years since Toronto was good? Last year, man. You yeah. Know, last year, Leafs looked pretty good. However, you know, maybe in the next couple of years, we might get a Battle of Ontario. Mm-hmm. Especially, hopefully we win this time. Yeah, especially with the current playoff format that basically guarantees it. If Toronto and Ottawa both make the playoffs, there's a very high chance that they will play. Which almost happened. Yeah. Remember, because you remember the story when it was all but set in stone that the Leafs were going to play the Sens, and all the Sens fans went out and they bought tickets. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, Leafs fans went out and they bought the tickets in Ottawa, and it turned out Boston was playing them and not Toronto. Mm-hmm. Because the Leafs faltered at the end of the season. Yes, they did. Now, the one big deal that after this season ended was... And for newer fans, it is kind of hard to believe this. Dominic Hasek, we picked him off off waivers from the Red Wings. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Like, I can kind of get it given that you had Chris Osgood, Dominic Hasek, and Jim... And I think the yeah. Jimmy Howard was just starting to come up. Well, at that, was a ta- tough at that time situation. you had, I think you had Manny Legacy, Cujo, yeah. Osgood was gone... And then Hasek was retired and then wanted to come back. Mm-hmm. But since Cujo had that big deal and they couldn't move him, they had to get rid of Hasek. Yeah, it was just a messy de- It was a messy situation. It was. But Detroit won a Stanley Cup a couple years later, so mm-hmm. they're not crying about it. With, with Chris Osgood back in the fold. And Hasek, too. Yeah. Now, I know we're only a couple of months removed from this, so it might be a little premature or a little early to put this team on the list. At number four... The 2017 Senators. Now, this team finished 44, 28, and 10. I have to say, in recent years, this has really been the best Senators team that we've iced. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to believe that, given all the teams that we're going to mention here today. But of all the things this team has done, all the diver- all the diversities it went through, they came in with Guy Boucher came in, Pierre Dorian came in, you had... Key Anderson's injuries. wife getting cancer. Exactly. You had the whole Craig Anderson thing missing games due to his wife battling cancer. Clark MacArthur's injury. Right. 
Bobby Ryan getting hurt, Eric Carlson getting hurt. Bobby Ryan's mom dying. Yeah, Bobby Ryan's mom dying. And, but, I mean, then you look at all the Ottawa deals that they brought in. They shored up their bottom six. Guys like Wingles, Stahlberg, Burroughs, who at the time, I know you and I criticized it, but it worked out. We apologized. We did. And the big one, that which is Mike Condon. And now, I'm also putting this team on the list because this was a different team than the other ones. As the other teams in the past, once they were down, they were out. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at, just look at the very first game. Austin Matthews, he scored four goals against us and we still won. You know, game three against the Bruins. We were down 3 nothing heading into the third period. We fought back with Dion Pinot scoring the winner. JGP's four-goal performance against the Rangers. Going to double overtime in game seven yeah. of a, the conference finals. Against the That's Penguins. I mean, think about that. We pushed them to seven games and went to a second OT. Yeah, we almost played a game eight. Almost. But not only not, not only on the ice, but off the ice. Because you might remember last season, right? There we came in. There was no excitement. There was no hype. Hell, there... season ticket sales were way down. Yeah, and people weren't coming, and people were getting concerned. Now, granted, they were playing the Coyotes on their first games. Let's be honest. Who wants to see the Coyotes? Let's be honest. People do like OEL. They do. Now, but also you look at the Sens team, right? You look at... I mean, look at the fans and look at how their mindset changed from that season where it would be, you know, it would be nice to make the playoffs to, holy crap, we're almost going to win our division. Holy shit. We head into the playoffs and it's like, you know, it would be nice to win a playoff series and that would be nice. It changed from that to, holy crap, we're one goal away from the finals. Yeah. And, like, I don't think you, like, I remember people were asking me, it's like, how do you feel after this game? Like, people. Like, Chelsea was, like, she thought it was just going to be, like, really hard on me. I remember just, I just sat there, and I had a good think. Because, like, I realized that the team did its best. They had nothing to regret. Like, everything that could have gone wrong did, and yet they still made it this far. Yeah. Like, I know they probably weren't the most skilled team that the Ottawa Senators have ever played. And this is actually the big difference between Tay and my lists. All the teams are the same. It's just this team's at the first because I think this is probably the most fun I've ever had as a Sens fan. Like, sure, every playoff game I was sitting on my couch with, like, sometimes just, like, tensed up because I was like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And it was, it was some games are hard to watch, but honestly, this is probably one of the most rewarding seasons I've ever watched, especially when you have uh, stories like uh, Kyle Turris with the Capital City Condors. Like, they win it. They come. They win the comeback goal in the New York Rangers game, and then he just races out of of uh, Canadian Tire Center and makes it to the special needs team's banquet. Like that's insane. It is. Like this is a team that just has so much heart, even if it didn't have the most skill. And yeah, I think it's probably a season that Sens fans will never forget. And we can't forget, I mean, remember the red light street dances? Mm-hmm. And the fans were at the airport chanting the go, sends, go. And, I mean... Or even Clark MacArthur Clark, stepping on Clark, the ice for the first time. Yeah, a remember ovation. when he scored that goal and the crowd was like, yeah, to you! Yeah. After yeah. he actually scored. Now, 
my experience from that playoff run was different because I actually had to work during most of these yeah. games. But everybody at work knew I was a fan. They knew how excited I was. And I've told the story. Game seven, I was working. I would do a couple things. Go to the computer, look it up, see like, okay. Okay, we're tied up. Go back, do things. And I just finished up. I was going to sign up. I checked it, and that's when Kunit scored. And I just uh. swore at the top of my lungs. Thank God no one was in the building. Yeah. Except the nighttime Jets. <laughs> Who's the Sabres fan? He, well, just, just... he just looked at me, and he's like, Got sorry, it. sorry, bud. Well, just like I remember one of the most surreal moments was uh, I had a Boston. Well, my here. Oh, by the way, everybody, I owe everybody a beer because my phone went off. <laughs> well, I just everybody, I owe everybody a moose head. And then I dropped my phone. Moose head. Don't well, start, Tim. You you love it. I do, but uh, yeah, I just remember on uh, when we knocked out Boston, I got a like one of my buddies who's a big Bruins fan emailed me. He's like, you know what? I'm happy that it was. I'm only happy because it was Clark. I can't. I can't say it any better, man. And I know 2017, 2018, the fans' expectations are going to be sky high. We're excited. Third line plug sense cast. We're, we're be, here. We're here, and we're going to be doing it all season long, baby. Alrighty. So now we've come to the top three, and we've come to the big three, really. And number three, 2003, this team finished 52, 22, and 8. I mean, in terms of team play, this team finished first in the league, first in the division, and we did all of this despite the fact the team finally hit rock bottom financially, filing for bankruptcy. And then we had the new ownership of Eugene Melnick coming in, buying the team. And this is a team that, if you ask any fan what the best team was, they would, they have one of two answers. They have this team, and they have another team, which will I will talk about here later on. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you look at the notes that they have here. I mean, Patrick Willeem, this is the closest he ever came to winning a Vezina Trophy. And the fact that this guy had 39 wins and didn't win it. Now, of course, Martin Brodeur had 41 and won it. And we all know what happened, you know, in the conference finals where we came within one win. And Jeff Friesen, just like Chris Kunitz, had to break our hearts in Game 7. Different scenario how they did it, but... That's the hard thing with, like, two of the three teams we have here is just... These teams were so good. But they could just never really get it. Yeah, and I know even going back to what I was saying about the last year's sense team is... And you recall, I mean, everybody was so against Ottawa winning. We had the worst chance to win the Cup in the second round. And it's all because of these teams. It's because we had some of the best teams in the history of this franchise came so short. Mm-hmm. And I think after a while, it's like, okay, you know what? We've been through this before. We're not going through this again. The Canucks are the same way. Fans are just like, you know what? We're not going through this again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Montreal's going to be this in the next couple of seasons with the moves they've made. Yeah. Well, I think it's also a lot of people were very jealous that the small mark, the small market team, Ottawa Senators, are getting all the fun. Yeah, and then, of course, all of our players were homegrown, right? You had Alfredson, you had Marion Hosa, you had Radic Bonk, Wade Redden, Chara. I mean, you had these players that we've drafted. Well, okay, Redden and... Chara, we didn't draft. The Islanders actually drafted them. <laughs> but they worked out great for us. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mike. No, I, I don't think Milbury was with the, Sen- or with the Islanders at that point. Well, he gave us Chara. He did. 
in the Spezza trade. He did for yeah, I, th- I believe it was uh, Yashin. I think it was like Yashin for like the second overall pick, Chara, and Bill Mucklet, who never Mucklet, played a yeah. game for the Sens. Boy, yeah. So two thousand three, it was one of the best years. We knocked off Alexi Yashin in the first round. We knocked off the Flyers in the second. Despite the fact, if you can't remember back in the day, Toronto always had a problem against Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because in that 2003 playoffs, which is, in my personal opinion, the greatest playoff run, or greatest playoff of all time. No, I mean, that's my humble opinion, mm-hmm. but I think it's one of the best. I mean, Toronto, I think they went either six or seven games with the Flyers, and we knocked them off in five games in the conference, second round. With a huge brawl in there. Holy. That was uh, the year after. Oh, it was the year after? I always screw that up. Yeah, that was on my birthday, on my 12th birthday, 2004. Oh, wow. That was fun to watch. I rewatched that. That and the <laughs> Buffalo Brawl. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the Buffalo, Buffalo brawl, brawl, the 2007 Ottawa Senators are number two on my list. Now, this team finished 48, 25, and 9. And, of course, there's only one reason why I'm putting this list, and everybody knows. It's the only Sens team to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Game 5 against the Sabres, Daniel Alton pocketed it. Low glove sign and Ryan Miller knocked off the Sabres. It was The number one beautiful. seed Sabres, by the way. But not only is Daniel Alfredson such a big name in that playoff run, Danny Heatley had a great playoff as well. Mm-hmm. And a great regular season, and he finished... This is his best year with the Sens. 50 goals, points. 58 Holy assists shit. with 105 points. Like, that's beautiful. It was beautiful. Now, what wasn't beautiful, and people might actually kind of forget this, by December 19th, the Senators were one game below 500. Huh. With a 17-18-1 mm-hmm. record... And we finished with 31-7-8 record to make the playoffs. And we took off into the playoffs. We knocked off the Penguins in five. Knocked off New Jersey in New five. New Jersey. And then we took off and we... Buffalo in five. Buffalo. And then... We lost in six games. Five games. We only won the one in our own barn. Right. Okay. Thank you. They played They played 20 games in the playoffs. Made, went through a Stanley Cup Finals. Here's a little trivia that I didn't put in the notes and I have to ask you. Game three, who was the two people who sang the National Anthem at uh, Scotiabank Place? Oh, I don't know. Okay, the Canadian National Anthem was Lena Sluage, and the American was Alanis Morissette. Really? She's, well, from, she's from Ottawa, apparently. Oh, okay. She's very weird, from what I hear. Yeah. I know my cousin was friends with her cousin. She, yeah, she's weird. Mm-hmm. Had Lyndon been doing, Lyndon Sluage been doing the singing for a while, or... He was our national anthem singer since 1992. Oh, okay. Since our it's first a shame game. they canned him. It was. It was such a shame, and I really hope that when we have the outdoor game, that he sings the national anthem. Mm-hmm. Although that kid did a pretty good job. i got to oh, give him sure. that. I can't talk about the 2007 season without talking about the one, probably the biggest mistake the Senators ever made in their history, and that was signing Wade Redden over Sedano Chara. Now, Chara, of course, went to the Boston Bruins, where he still is today. He's won a Norris Trophy. He's won the Stanley Cup. Redden, who played two more seasons before going to the New York Rangers, where his career fizzled out. Which is a shame, because, I mean, he still is one of the best offensive defensemen Ottawa has ever Mm -hmm. had. Now, of course, we got Eric Carlson. Oh, for sure. Yeah, King Carl, he's going to be taking over. I think the hard thing with Redden is that 
he was still very, very, very effective in that 2006-2007 series season. And you could probably argue in that season alone that the choice was as hard as it seemed. But after that, no. Like, with without foresight, you can't really blame them. Yeah, I mean, like, this is a foresight pers- would dictate that maybe Ottawa should have re-signed Chara over Redden, given that Redden was already showing signs of diminished play. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It is what it is. And you can't go back and change the past. And that's because we've got Eric Carlson now. And yep. that's, everything's all good. Hey, we got, a sh- we got a freaking awesome fight, too. We did. We did. Oh, I my mean, God. Imagine if Chara was oh, in that fight. Oh, my God. He probably would have grabbed Chris Neal and just dwarf-tossed him like Brian McCabe. Like, dwarf-tossed Chris Neal into an opposing player? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Do you remember the story of Zidane Chara when he played for the Sens? No. Players used to say that he could outlift everybody on the team. Yeah. Like, he would put, like... Three, three, four, five plates on each side, and just start benching like it was nothing. The man's a monster. Like I put two plates on there, and I'm struggling to get that mask up. Oh, the man's a, the man's huge, and he's a monster. He is. Yeah, but my favorite part about that fight is that if you watch after uh, uh, it was, Ray uh, Emery beats up his second defenseman, go what? over to the benches. No, where Brian Murray is screaming. That was at funny. Lindy I love that. And Bribery is he's kind of he's a short guy so we he's found that standing out. on the he's standing on the boards about to go over the glass and the only thing separating the two is Ray Ferrer no it's Rob Ray Rob Ray but you know the one thing you forgot to mention is Ray Emery he after he dropped Martin Biron it was I believe was it Patrick Collada. No, it was Andrew Peters came over. Andrew Peters, yeah. And Peters grabbed Emery, and they... It didn't look like that. It just sort of took, like, they cut a couple of swings, and Emery's gotten himself laughing, like, okay. Okay, buddy, and beats him up, too. And then Coletta comes in. So Emery's fought three people at this point. Yeah, but the one thing I remember was Coletta. He jumped Spezza, and then Antoine Volchankov jumped him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't screw with the bear, man. No, and, uh... Buffalo got fined 10k. They did, and that team—they've never been the same since that. No, we hey, beat neither, the crap out of them. Neither have we. So, but I digress. Mm-hmm. And now, number one, in my humble opinion, the best Senators team we have ever iced. Now, this is controversial. A lot of people would have said the 2007 team was the best. I have to disagree. The 2006 Ottawa Senators. 52, 21, and 9. It's not their record that puts them at number one. Here's the starting lineup. Now, stop me if you've ever heard any of these players. Danny Heatley, Daniel Alfredson, Jason Spezza, Zidane Char, Wade Redden, Dominic Asik. It actually sounds like a team some kid made on NHL. I mean, this this team dominated. Mm-hmm. And I know, obviously, this is the first year you and I were into the Senators. Mm-hmm. So you and I have both very nostalgic glass, you know. And it was kind of hard to take the nostalgic glasses off. But even doing that, this team is such a great team. And it was such a shame that this really was Ottawa's best chance of winning the Stanley Cup right up until Dominic Hasek got injured in the Olympics. That's now, why you don't go to the Olympics, Exactly. Kids. Now, <laughs> nowadays, and I've mentioned this before, that this is why the owners don't want the players going just for reasons like this. And it now it really it really stuck in my craw over the years is Hasek 
was healthy. He was healthy, and he could have come back, and he just didn't. He yeah. gave up on returning, despite the players like Danny Robinson begged him to return. And it didn't help, and then Ray Emery came in, and they were taken out by the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, that is probably the toughest, tough year. I mean, and, but there was some bright spots that season. Mm-hmm. It was the first year of the cash line of Heatley, Spezza, Elfie. I've got the stats right here. Heatley, 50 goals, 53 assists, 103 points. Daniel Alfredson, 43 goals, 60 assists, 103 points. Jason Spezza, 19 goals, 71 assists, 90 points. Those numbers are insane. They are. I mean, I don't even think the Chicago Blackhawks of today have three players with 90, or, 90 points or better. No, it's and you have three people on one line doing that. Yeah, and this really... Now, I don't think I've ever mentioned here on the show that when I was a kid growing up, I was a fan of the Vancouver Canucks. And during that era, the Canucks had the West Coast Express line with Todd Bertuzzi, Brendan Morris, and Marcus Naslin. And this mm-hmm. one, that was the best line in hockey for two seasons. And I feel this line really replaced that as the best line of any Canadian team. Well, probably Because you had the Swedish period. captain, you had the Canadian center... The only thing we didn't have was the big bruising winger, but we had Daniel Heatner. Danny Heatley, which Danny is Heatley. a bona fide sniper. Yep. Like, for pure offense, this lo- I don't think we've seen really anything like it, except when Pittsburgh decides to play Malkin and Crosby at the same time. Must be nice. Yeah. I don't know. We By get the way, did I... Did Carlson. You, sorry, yeah. Did you read that article about Danny Heatley? He's in a lawsuit right now. Six million? Yeah. Because he got defrauded in a real estate scam. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of like what happened with uh, the Bear Mountain Resort. Yeah. Bear Mountain Resort, by the way, is a resort that was headed by Len Berry, former NHLer, up in Victoria, B.C. Yep. Or down in Victoria, B.C., I should say. Yeah. Well, on a mountain, even. On a mountain. And my brother, he was the head of housekeeping there. It's a beautiful, beautiful resort and a golf course they got there. Even though I think it's built on native land, if I'm not mistaken. I wouldn't be surprised, given uh, the layout of the area around there. Uh, Victoria has many uh, Coast Salish uh, reserves in and around the area. They do. So that's my top five. Now, Tim is going to present his top five. Well, they're pretty much the same. There's only one team that's different. Okay. At number five, I have the 1992-1993 Ottawa Senators. Because, well, they're A, the team that started it all. And B, quite frankly, it's hilarious. If you thought Vegas's expansion draft was terrible, look at the scraps that Ottawa and San Jose had to pick through. Like, teams were allowed to only expose... Sorry, I have to correct you. It was Ottawa and Tampa. Ottawa and Tampa, yeah. The teams were only, they were only allowed... They only had to expose a few players. And teams were allowed to do quick swap, swap backs, so they could actually hide more players. Yeah. So you had this ragtag squad of of players that probably wouldn't be on anything above a fourth line. Kind of sounds like a plot of a Disney movie. Yeah, except uh, they didn't employ the flying B. That's true. They Even realized... though if the, if the Mighty Ducks 2 has proven that flying V is very flawed and you can easily stop it by just running into them. Yeah, and they have terrible Corsi. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just a bunch of kids. They don't train, they don't do... Oh, wait, you're talking about the 1993 cents. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Oh, but uh, sorry, I, I was talking about the wrong team here. Yeah, but the big thing with them, it, that team was, we learned how everyone learned how to tank. They did. I mean, and this is of course, the Ottawa Senators 
are widely credited as the team that finally forced the NHL to put rules in and to force the draft lottery to stop tanks. Because I know Pittsburgh was uh, Pittsburgh did that in 1984, and they got Mario Lemieux. We did that in 1993. Got Dag. We got Dag, but I mean, it seemed like a good idea at the time. I mean, if you look at the players, because really the 93 draft, in retrospect, wasn't exactly a deep draft. Like past I'm, maybe Dag five, and Pronger. Five, five six, yeah, five six picks. I mean, you had what Dag went first, Pronger, I believe Rob Niedermeyer, I think went yeah. third to Florida. Paul Crea, Hall of Famer, went to the Mighty Ducks to Anaheim. The hockey, the actual team, not not the Disney movie. He could he could have got it hacked out with Emilio. <laughs> he could have. Yeah, it's uh, this team is just such an interesting team. Even though they weren't very good, that I feel like they just need to be included because off the ice they did so many interesting things. Yeah, even though that team almost was. Almost, yeah, that. almost went into bankruptcy even mm-hmm. before their first game. Yeah, it's uh, just probably one of the most interesting teams that we've ever, like, kind of ever been iced. So, uh, yeah, that's the only real difference between our lists. Okay. What's your number four, Tim? Uh, my number four probably would have been, uh, I think I'd probably say 0304. Uh, my number three, I'd probably put the 0506. Okay. Number two, uh, the current iteration, 0617. A little too high in my personal opinion, well, but that's your list. I, like I, and I think I went over that quite a bit when we were talking about your list. Okay. Just how amazing it was to watch that team. So I think just from a fan experience point, that team deserves to be that high. And I think my top team is the Stanley Cup run. Just because it was one of the most, again, it was the team was just very good at what it did. It got hot and it ran. It did. And it was just ex- super fun to watch. It was. And of course, the 2017 team, I think, was probably the closest... A, a, the closest we ever came to going back to the finals. But it was also, in terms of just fan excitement. For mm-hmm. the team. But now I know... People might be listening to this and being like, well, what about the 2015 sentence? Well, that's a little different because... Really, that was what a few months span. It was for it was like the because what fifteen were, game Hamburg would run. No, it wasn't even that. It was like a thirty something game run from like mid February right up until the last day of the season. Like literally, we were fighting for our playoff lives until the season was done. Yep, and then we went into the playoffs and we got our ass handed to us by Montreal. Although it's nuts because that's actually a series that I feel is perceived to be more lopsided than it actually was because the last game of that series it was a one nothing win for montreal but ottawa got like 30 shots on net including many high danger shots and a goal called back yeah like if it wasn't for bad officiating that actually could have been a very different series could have like there were two games where ottawa put five or more goals behind Carey price yeah, so I think that's it. Yeah, any any comments you want to do before we head into our close? Uh, not really. I just hope you guys enjoy our mini episodes. Although this one went a lot longer than I expected. Well, that's good. You know what? It's the first episode of a series of episodes we're going to be doing tonight, and hopefully we can continue our streak here. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so for our close, I want to thank you. I want to thank everybody, first of all, for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I would like to mention we are on Twitter, at Third Line Plug. And you can also find Tim on Twitter, M901 Honey Badger. Yep. I am Great White Gipster, G, that is G-R-8-W-Y-T-E Gipster. And we're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com, slash Third Line Plug Sensecast. And if you've got any questions, anything you want to do, or even just some feedback, you can email us at thirdlineplugsensecast at gmail.com. Alright, thank you very much for listening. It's been a blast. My time here is up. They're going home!